new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. I am Keith Niebuhr with 24-7 Sports, joined by Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell, two veterans of the Auburn beat. And we got a lot to talk about today because it's opening week. Auburn faces Kentucky at Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday. And today the Tigers released the week one depth chart, which is always the subject of a lot of chatter throughout the summer as people predict and tr- or try to predict who's going to be the first stringer, the second stringer, this, that, and the other. Uh, now we know. So we're going to talk exclusively, almost at least, about that depth chart. And we're going to start with Mark to get his initial thoughts. Mark, you've covered this program for a lot of years, so I'm sure you've got some interesting takes on what you saw today from the depth chart. What do you think? Well, Keith and Jason, as you guys know, when uh, Auburn signed this class, Gus Malzahn predicted there'd be a lot of guys who have a chance to help and probably early, and uh, the initial depth charts got 10 true freshmen on defense, seven on offense, one on special teams. And uh, then you've got eight more guys on the depth chart who are either uh, graduate transfers or junior college signees. So just one guy, though, is a starter. That's uh, Brandon Council, the grad transfer from uh, the Mid-American Conference out of Akron. He's starting at one of the guard spots. Now, he can play center. He can play both the tackle positions. So he's probably a pretty valuable addition. But I think a lot of these guys are going to play early, uh, particularly the uh, three freshman wide receivers. And I think they're going to roll a lot of defensive linemen into the game. So that means guys like Sakevius Walker will have a chance to play a, a lot early. And, uh, you know, the most interesting guy in the depth chart to me is Jeremiah Wright from Selma High School showing up as a four-team defensive tackle. Now, Jason went down and watched him play a high school game at Selma, uh, and he played defensive line in that game. But we expected him to be an offensive guard or tackle in college. Well, you know, it's funny, Mark. I remember, and Jason, you might remember this too, and I know you talked to Jeremiah Wright a good bit as well. Uh, You know, before he signed with Auburn, he said, you know, I really want to play defensive line. And, you know, we were going to write a story that said that and then kind of backed off because, you know, it was just – he it was him thinking he could play it and wanted to play it, but we were, hadn't really heard anything to that point that he would end up there. So you're right, Mark, that was interesting. I mean, he's a big kid, eats up a lot of space, kind of built like Truesdale in some respects. Jason, your initial thoughts on Auburn's depth chart release? I think it's that. I think it's depth. Um, when you look at the numbers, um, Gus Malzahn has talked about really from the get-go – about having to have three and four deep. And you look at a lot of these positions, there's three, sometimes four deep. When you, when you look at running back, when you look at, you know, some of those defensive tackle positions, tight end, um, and then you know, even at wide receiver, um, there's not a lot of guys listed, but because the way Chad Marsh runs his offense, they can move guys around. So everybody can kind of play everywhere. So you kind of have some built-in depth there, you know, like you do on the offensive line with a couple of guys. So to me, that's it, just the numbers and, knowing that you're probably going to need a lot of, a lot of those guys and, and maybe a lot of them on Saturday. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Brandon Council, Mark, the grad transfer from from the Mid America Conference, Akron. Uh, you know, Auburn has had a lot of grad transfers playing on the offensive line in recent years. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Driscoll the last two years, Casey Dunn was one. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, the kid from Texas that was a former five star that played attack, played tackle, but. Gosh, it makes you wonder where, where would they have been without these guys? It's great that they're able to utilize them, though. What is the word on council? Because I think Jason and I recall when when he said, "Hey, I'm going to Auburn." We both heard that, you know, that was a little bit of a well. Some people didn't know if he was SEC good, but it sounds like he's done pretty well at Auburn. Yeah, I think so far he's a he's been what they were hoping he would be, and uh, you know, guys who can play center. Both guard spots and both tackle spots don't come along every day. Now, we'll see how good he is against SEC competition. That's the big question I've got about him. But he's got the size. He's 6'4", 325. Apparently, he's really highly motivated. He's a bright guy. He's, you know, all the offensive linemen really getting basically a fresh start with a Jack Bicknell Jr. as the new coach, and they're doing some different things scheme-wise with the offensive line. So, uh, you know, you know, I think that's the whole big question about this team on offense going into game one. How good is the offensive line going to be? Because, uh, uh, I mean, there are some real questions about it because they lost, you know, six guys uh, off that team last year who actually started a game on the offensive line, and they lost four guys who are multi-year starters on the offensive line, including Driscoll at right tackle, who started his first NFL game at right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. I want to make sure I get this right. Brandon Council is a grad transfer. He actually has two seasons of eligibility, correct? Yeah, that's right. So, he so that got three. Yeah, and does he really? Because like okay. this, this year is. Oh, like that's right. That's right. Year. Yeah, I forget about that every single time. So you're looking at an offensive line that could really be maybe intact over the next couple of years, which would be interesting. If obviously certain guys could leave early, maybe you never know or transfer. But uh, go ahead, Mark. On that front, Dre. Um, Fred Butler is coming in as a redshirt sophomore from junior college. Now he's going to have four seasons. Wow. Yeah. So it's real. As Malzahn said, it's a different season. And it is. In it, it, ways, yeah. it certainly is a different season. I, I, it trips me up every time. It doesn't take much to trip me up, obviously, but that, that gets me all the time. Hey, Mark, I wanted to stick with you for a second here. And, and uh, we've talked about your initial thoughts with the depth chart. I looked at it. I, I was surprised by a couple of things. We be, we mentioned Jeremiah Wright, but was there were there any other big surprises to you, or just even a moderate surprise? You know, uh, not a whole lot of surprises. I thought Marco Domia would be higher on the depth chart. Junior college transfer uh, in out of Texas. He's listed number three behind Jalen Simpson, uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, and uh, on one side. And uh, you know, it's interesting that the defensive coordinator talked about having uh, five guys competing for the number one spot opposite Roger McCreary. And, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting to hear that when he, he made that comment last week, uh, Matthew Hill, a converted wide receiver is running number two at cornerback. And then Devin Barrett uh, is running number three at that same spot. Uh, he's a converted running back ahead of, Eric Reed Jr., one of the true freshmen. So, uh, you know, when you lose four starters in the secondary, you know, you go into the season thinking depth might be a concern in that in that part of the defense, but I'm not sure that it's really going to be, uh, particularly if Chris Thompson 
of the true freshman from out of Texas comes in and is really ready to contribute right away at safety because they got, you know, Smoke Monday and Jamie and Sherwood and Jordan Peters, all who have started multiple games at Auburn back at safety, even though they do lose uh, two safeties who uh, uh, are multi-year starters. Jason, any surprises to you? Yeah, it might be a surprise that he's starting where he is, but but it's not a surprise to see Colby Wooden be up there. I mean, this is a guy that, that we both saw play in person, Keith, and he's physical. And the thing is, is that sometimes people see the numbers on the depth chart in terms of size. This, you know, I, I don't believe these numbers are correct all the way across. I think Colby Wooden, he's been a guy that, you know, was close to 280. I think he's probably 280 to 285 right now. And he's not a 300 pounder, but he's physical. He's got great hands and he's an athletic guy. And um, we know one thing about him, he's competitive. And so I think you look at him as a guy that can go in there. Zachivas Walker is listed at 266. He's probably a little bit bigger than that as well. And people wonder, well, could you play defensive tackle at 280? Um, was about Did he think he could play defensively? Absolutely could have played defensive tackle at the native team. He did in past situations. So, uh, I think it's um, dynamic um, on that defensive line. But to me, that's probably the one. And, you know, Rodney Garner's going to roll a bunch of guys. I bet you they play 12 defensive linemen on Saturday at some point or another against that really good Kentucky offensive line. Uh, I interviewed Caleb Wooden, who's Kobe's younger brother. I should point out he's a 2022 defensive back in in the Atlanta area that's getting some offers, uh, Georgia Tech being one. Uh, I interviewed him this summer, and he talked about his brother, and he he really worked out with him a lot over the summer. And he said, hey, man, my brother's looking really good physically. He brought it up. He said he's 6'4", 275. This was a couple months ago. He said he looks explosive. I think he's going to dominate. Kobe Wooden in high school, uh, you know, was a guy 230 to 240 and was really recruited as a, I think, Jason, as a weak side defensive end. But just he always had that frame to really just take off and, and add a lot of weight. And, you know, when you see him, uh, granted opportunities to see him are limited now, but when you see him in person, he's so long and he just, uh, gosh, I mean, he, if anybody could handle 300 pounds, it's probably him or 280 to 300 uh, with relative ease, Jason. He, he has the look of those guys that you see that wind up playing in the NFL, to be honest. You look and, and you know, there's Derek Browns of the world, and but those guys are few and far between. You think back to, you know, Nick Fairley was was a high school tight end. Uh, you know, people you know pointed out you know a couple of these guys that, that you know uh, that were big time guys, high draft picks from Alabama, were guys that were you know 265 pound guys. You know, you know coming out of high school, Marcel Darius is one of those guys. Those are the guys now that NFL teams are looking for. You got to be able to turn and run, uh, explosiveness. And, and who's who's the best defensive lineman in the NFL right now? Now I'm not comparing Colby Wooden. To, to, to anybody that plays for the Los Angeles Rams, but you can play at the highest level of the game by being active and by being f- quick, physical, explosive. That's what they're counting on Colby Wooden to be, you know, a defensive tackle. Yeah, there's nobody I ever saw in the NFL, and I used to cover a lot of NFL games that had a worse body, a worse figure than Warren Sapp. And, uh, but the motor and high school tight end, Jason. Correct. Another, another, good, another good defensive lineman, Javon Curse, yeah. high school safety. So just freaky athletes. Maybe Colby Wooden can be one of those guys. Uh, we're going to hit a couple more topics, but before we do, we've got to take a quick commercial break and pay some bills. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back. And uh, Jason, the strongest group. What do you think the strongest group on the Auburn depth chart is? Man, it's, that's an interesting question. I, I think you got to go with wide receivers when you look at it. Um, having, you know, Seth Williams back, Anthony Swartz, Eli Stove, you know, you look at a guy like Shedrick Jackson has played a lot of football for this team the last couple of years. This really good incoming class, you bring in Kalen Newton. Uh, you got Javarius Johnson as a holdover. He's not even listed on the depth chart, even though he's a guy that could return some kicks and could play that. I think the wide receiver group to me has the potential to be the strength of this team, especially when you talk about Chad Mars coming in, moving those guys around and allowing them to play multiple positions. I think that's the key. I think we saw it from LSU last year. And we've heard Chad Mars talk about it some too, that you don't necessarily have to go at breakneck speed, but the thing you got to be able to do is you got to keep the same personnel on the field and be able to line up and kind of force the defense then to kind of show their hand. And I think that's something that potentially this Auburn team could do more of. And if so, it gives you an advantage, you know, when you snap the football. You know, I, you know, I was trying to think about what I thought was the best group, best position group. And, you know, you like the running backs, obviously. There's there's multi, multi-talented multi and multiple talents on that, you know, on that uh, in that group. Excuse me, tongue twisters there. And then you've got the tight end position, a lot of talent there. But, you know, Jason, I really – I say this, and I'm, I'm hoping I don't get burned here, but I really like what Auburn has in the secondary. Let's just look at the starters. The nickel position, Christian Tutt. Cornerbacks, Roger McCreary and Jalen Simpson with the first string. Safety, Smoke Monday and Jamie and Sherwood. But then you've got backups. You've got capable backups, Chris Thompson Jr., Nehemiah Pritchett. Uh, and then, you know, obviously at the nickel position, Zion Puckett and Ladarius Tennyson, who I still think is going to be a star, uh, just a star player at that position at some point. And I think Tennyson and Puckett, uh, Jason, I think they also give you the versatility to, to flow back and, and play the traditional safety positions as well. So I really like what Auburn's got in the secondary. Um, but it's really hard for me to pinpoint one group. I, I actually didn't have the receivers in one of the top two or three groups, not because they weren't uh, not solid, just I just kind of like what Auburn's got in other places. Jason, what group stands out as the weakest group? That's tough because, you know, you don't, we hate to label people as weak at any level. This is a, a grueling sport. Uh, but the biggest concern area uh, in terms of what you're seeing on the depth chart, you know, obviously going into the season before you even think about depth charts, you're, you're, pointing to the offensive line. Now that you've looked at the depth chart, would that still be your your biggest area of concern? Yeah, because there was nothing they could do really on the depth chart to add experience, and that's the one thing you don't have. And Great so point, yeah. That's, that's the one thing that was always going to be the biggest question mark is what you do with experience. That's why getting a guy like Brandon Council was so, was so important, just to have somebody that had been there and done it before. Even, even though he hadn't done it in the SEC, he has done it before. I think the thing that, that – that I look at with this offensive line that's really interesting, though, is this is as big an offensive line as Auburn's had in a long time. You look at Rodarius Sam is 330, 335 or so at right tackle. Brandon Council, 325. Nick Brahms right around 300. But Nick Brahms, 300 now, as opposed to Nick Brahms the last couple of years, he's now had a really a year and a half to really work on his body that he didn't have the previous two and a half years almost before. Yeah. Much stronger player. Deshaun Manning, 325 or so. Then you got 310, 315 or so with either Alec Jackson or Austin Troxel. This is a bigger, more physical offensive line that Auburn had last year. You're, you're uh, right. Brahms doesn't look like the same guy that he was no, when he signed with Auburn. No question. Um, and lower body strength is so important at the center position. 
Keith, we know he went through a couple of years with, with a broken leg and dealing with it once again. The sec- He went almost two full years without being able to squat and do some of those things that are so vitally important for a center. He's been able to do that now. He looks, you're right, he looks like a different person, and um, he's got that experience. So I think the offensive line has a chance to be more physical maybe than people would expect. Jason, I'm looking at that offensive line group here on the depth chart. And I know you have looked at it probably a lot more thoroughly than I have. How many of those guys do we think that Auburn can count on on the Saturday right now? I think you look at it, to me, you know, we mentioned something about Brandon Council. I think, I think he is one of the keys for this offensive line because he, in, in camp this year, he's played right guard, center, left guard, and left tackle. So he's played four different positions. I think you look at it right now. I look at this group with three starting guards. I think Keandre Jones, is a starting guard. I think if something were to happen to, to Sean Manning, that you'd move Brandon Council over, Keandre Jones would slide in. Uh, so I think you got three starting guards. Obviously, you got three starting tackles that you feel good about with Alec Jackson, Austin Troxel. The good thing there is he's, he's worked really exclusively at left tackle, but Austin Troxel has played right tackle before as well. So you got a guy that can play both sides in that spot. So I think you've got probably – eight or nine guys that you feel good about. And then even a guy like Jaleel Irvin, he's listed as a center. He's played some guard as well. Um, so I think you look, you got eight or nine guys, but you got guys that can play multiple positions. So I think they've built in some depth early on. Jason, I mean, can we make the assumption that Auburn moving to – Auburn doesn't move Jeremiah Wright to the defensive line if they were – well, look, he's a freshman. How much would he have played on the offensive line? I get it. But if they, if they truly needed him on the offensive line – would they have moved him to defense? No, I think I think you look and a guy like that, you move to where the need is the most. And, you know, say you have a couple of injuries or guys that, you know, that maybe had to sit out. We don't know. But if that happened, that defensive tackle, there's a lot less bodies now without Connus Miller. Probably need to get somebody over there of that in-case scenario. you got more guys that you can play in case of on the offensive line right now than you do defensive tackle. And so probably because of that, and his background at defensive tackle, um, and just just size. He's a guy that gives you some of that right away. Probably made it to where it was probably a, a good move for everybody involved to do that right now. Jason, they, look, a lot of these guys on the defensive line have to go out and prove it. Even some of the guys that are returning have never had to be the guy because they had Derek Brown, uh, Marlon Davidson, and even Nick Coe to a, to a certain extent. But, man, you look at the defensive tackle depth chart for Auburn, it, it, it's, it's a lot better than you think. I mean, Tyrone Truesdale and Colby Wooden, the two starters, Zakevious Walker and Daquan Newkirk, uh, the two number twos. And obviously Newkirk was a player that maybe if he hadn't been hurt uh, and had to miss some other time might even be the starter. So that's that's three guys. Zakevious Walker, a talented true freshman that they think very highly of. Now, granted, he hasn't played. He hasn't been in those battles on Saturday. And then two junior college guys, Marquise Burks and DeAndre Butler, that they seem to think very highly of. Uh, and then Jay Hardy, another freshman, true freshman that they seem to think very highly of. That's before you even get to Jeremiah, right? That's seven defensive tackles, Jason. And that, that's right in Rodney Garner's wheelhouse, isn't it? It is, especially when you think about the athleticism involved for those guys. I mean, Dre Butler's a guy that is a big time athlete, but, but 300 pounds. Jay Hardy, um, know what kind of athlete he is. You know, he's a guy that, that very, been, been drawing comparisons to Derek Brown because, you know, he's a guy that we expected maybe to line up some at the end, and I, th- I still think that could happen. Um, 
but he's a guy that I think we all thought was going to be a future defensive tackle because of his size. And once again, he's listed at 252 on the depth chart. That's probably been since the ninth grade since he was 252. He's probably more like 292 right now. Um, he was 295 when he got here. And so those are those are some physical guys inside and athletic, and I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah, and obviously, look, I mean, a lot of those guys I mentioned, we haven't seen them play at the Division One level. We just don't know you know, how much uh, of a pounding can they take on Saturday? Now, again, if you're rotating, though, and you feel confident in six or seven defensive tackles, let's say, then the theory would be that all those guys will be fresh in the fourth quarter. And that's what you're really hoping for, third and fourth quarter freshness. Jason, just because a guy wins a starting job doesn't mean necessarily that it's his for keeps. they got to keep playing, keep working. Who Who's hold – on their starting job is still somewhat tenuous, would you say? <laughs> They're going to have to go out and perform because they've got people climbing right on their backs. Yeah, I think, I think you know, obviously we've talked about it. I think you look at, at you know, a couple of those spots on the defensive line. I think you look at, you know, Kobe Wooden and, and Daquan Newkirk. I think that one will go back and forth probably. And, you know, a lot of those defensive line positions have done that for years for Rodney Garner. I think, you know, look, Derek Call, TD Moultrie, I would expect that one to be back and forth, but – I think they would probably consider both those guys as starters as well. But I think if you look and, and you start kind of narrowing it down to one spot, I think the the, the Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett, um, that corner spot is one that we'll see throughout the year. It may, may be, hey, go out and see who performs the best when the lights are on. Because like you said, those guys are talented, but nobody's really had to do it when, when they were the guy. I mean, of that group, Roger McCreary is really the only one in a game time situation that's that's had the fire thrown at him. And so now these other guys, we'll have to see how they respond. A few other position groups we need to talk about before we get going. Linebacker. Boy, you got a lot of talent back there. The three studs, K.J. Britt, returning All-SEC player. Owen Popo probably should have been All-SEC freshman, but it didn't get the nod there. Uh, Zacoby McClain, just a, a guy that has just quietly done it and then – unquietly did it against Alabama. Yeah, they got some talented young guys. Uh, you know, obviously Chandler Wooten was a guy that was going to probably play a lot this year and opted out. Uh, Josh Marsh, another linebacker, opted out. But a, a lot of goodness there. Uh, Jason, can any of those true freshmen break through and play a lot this year? I, I think you look at Wesley Steiner being you know, the second guy. The thing about linebackers, kind of like they want to do in the secondary and wide receiver. Are you looking – K.J. Brito and Popose, the Kobe McLean can can all play both those spots. And uh, so because of that, they kind of got a little built-in depth. But Wesley Siner, Keith, you know he's physical, he's strong, and he can run. And when you do those things, and he's also a really smart kid. He could have gone just about anywhere he wanted to academically. When you put all those things together at linebacker, you normally have a guy that, that you can play and can play fairly early. Cam Riley, we know, is a really athletic kid. Desmond Tisdall, that's the thing you look at. It. Cameron Brown is kind of the classic – middle linebacker, thumper kind of guy. They got some different bodies, but I, I look at Wesley Steiner to me as probably the guy that I think maybe has the chance to help out the most. Have you seen Auburn with a talented uh, tight end group like this before? Been a long time. Um, you got to go back to, you know, like to the 80s probably to find a, 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 a tight end grouping that came through Auburn when you had, you know, Jeff Parks, Ed West, you know, then you had Ron Middleton and uh, Victor Hall, uh, Walter Reeves. You had a bunch of guys in a row there. Um, but you start looking at the possibilities of this group. And the thing is, you got different, you got different guys for every position. John Samuel Schinker is kind of, I think, your do it all guy. I think he probably plays the most because he can probably line up 
all over the field. Luke Deal's probably your classic hand on the ground if you you know if you're needing a true tight end. JJ Pagese, who knows? We don't we've never seen anybody like him, not at Auburn. Then Brandon Frazier, once again, six seven, two seventy, but is more of a receiver at that size. So he kind of reminds me of those LSU tight ends that they had, you know, in the uh, the mid nineties um, that you know Auburn hasn't had, but it's a completely different group with a lot of different styles of play. Last position group we're going to touch upon here. It's a, it's a pretty important one, Jason, quarterback. You know, a few months ago, I think there was, you know, if you and I were sitting there talking or anybody, just a couple of buddies sitting in a bar having a beer talking about Auburn's quarterback position, I think they probably would have said, well, if Bo, if Bo Nix gets hurt, something happens to Bo Nix, could be in a, in a heap full of trouble. Do people feel that way now? Because the word has been that, some of the backups have actually maybe performed fairly well during camp. What are you hearing? I think they you got to feel much better than you did a couple of months ago. Um, bringing in Grant Loy, who has experience, has, has started games, big, strong arm, athletic guy. Um, I think you got to feel better there. I think anytime you have a guy like Cord Sandberg as your third option, then you got to feel really good. I think from experience, maturity, um, the things he can do to get you out of a game. Um, I don't know that there's many many teams in the country that would feel better about their third quarterback than you did about Cord Sandberg. Um, and so because of that, you, you got to feel good. Something we talked about too, man, if if it, it push comes to shove, you got a guy like Kalen Newton, you got a guy like Kobe Hudson. I mean, you got some guys that m- most teams would not have the luxury of having that, that might be able to do some things for you on offense. And so because of that, you're talking about built-in depth. I mean, you could go four or five deep maybe at the quarterback position and, and do some things that other teams might not be able to do. So we've looked at all these positions, Jason, and, and we seem to agree, and you know, Mark had to, had to leave early, had some, a project he's working on, but we seem to agree that, boy, there's a lot of talent on this team, but sometimes the, the parts – I'm, I'm going to mess up this cliche, you know, but sometimes the parts are better than the whole. Yes. So what's it going to take for Auburn to make sure those the whole is as good as the parts? Because the parts look – I hope I'm making some kind of sense here. Individually, position by position, there aren't too many holes. There's a lot of talent. There's good depth at a lot of positions. Some potential stars, real difference makers on this team, a veteran quarterback. There's a lot of pieces, quote-unquote pieces, Jason. But will this team as a whole – be as good as it could be with all those pieces. What what's it going to take? Yeah, I, I think it. I think it hinges on the offense, an offense that you didn't have a spring practice with. Um, new offensive line coach and, and Jack Benell Jr. How quickly those guys can come together, and can this offense find some rhythm? Because you don't have those games that you normally have early in the season to kind of ease into things, to find your footing. You know, people talked about for years. Well takes three or four games. Well, you don't have three or four games this year. It's a 10-game schedule. You better be ready to go. And that starts Saturday. I mean, this is as difficult a first-game matchup as as you could have in in when you start talking about the SEC teams, what you consider the top half probably of the SEC. There's nobody has a tougher matchup than Auburn does with Kentucky because of their experience coming back on both sides of the ball, lines of scrimmage especially. Um, so I think it hinges, can that offense get going, Bo Nix, those receivers, can they find rhythm? Because if you do that, you take some of that pressure off that defense because, uh, I mean, you know, they got talent, but, you know, they're going to give up some plays here or there along the way. Um, so you got to be able to score, and if they can show that, then I think this team got a chance to jail pretty quickly. Kind of interesting that, uh, and we'll talk about this later on in the week, but 
you know, Georgia Auburn's week two opponent plays Arkansas in week one on the road. Auburn plays host to Kentucky. Uh, Georgia also plays Arkansas. Or excuse me. Georgia also obviously plays Kentucky. They're in the same division and Auburn plays Arkansas. What led the SEC to give Auburn that, that tougher of the two games, knowing that they have to go to Georgia in week two is interesting. Um, I'm sure it had something to do with the home in a way, but just kind of interesting how that worked out. I don't think anybody's got a more challenging first two weeks among the top half, the top level teams in the SEC than Auburn. But anyway, Jason, great stuff as always. Want to thank Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell, both of Inside the Auburn Tigers and Auburn Undercover part of the 24-7 Sports Network, for joining us today. Make sure you check out this podcast on Apple iTunes and give us a rating, apparently with the algorithms and such. Uh, that helps, they say. I wish I'd like, I wish I could explain it better, but it helps. It helps drive more traffic to that, and we appreciate any feedback, good and bad. I mean, you know, we're not exactly professional podcasters here. So anything you want to contribute, we appreciate it. That's it for this edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.